Hello, and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk. And I am Annie Kriegbaum. It's sad that you're now so far away when you were so, you were staying in Santa Monica, and it, even though I only saw you two times, knowing you were close made me feel at ease. Oh, I'm glad I have that effect on you. I didn't get to achieve my one goal for coming out there, which was meeting Evie, which was really disappointing. <laughs> no, because an Annie, like, baby. you know, <laughs> it's also like, you know, when you have friends who don't have kids and they're like, I'll be there like 830. Can I meet the baby? It's like the baby's been asleep since six. So that's going oh, to be to hard. tell me her schedule. I was literally like, I want to meet Evie. You're like, can she at least stay up for a drink? <laughs> No, Evie was long asleep. You did make me dinner in the pressure cooker you won't shut up about on this show. Oh my God. Yes. And Annie, please talk about it. It was really good. Nick made like a Mexican chicken stew. Yep. It was like a verde, chicken verde stew. He had some corn tortillas that you like put in your bowl and then you sludge on some chicken verde. We had a great time hanging out with Nick and Casey and (laughs) Nick Nick was really pressuring me to try some new things that night. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> but that's for a different pot. That's for the Patreon. That is for the Patreon. That's actually a good idea. That will be for the Patreon. But here's what I wanted to talk about. And I guess it's kind of arts and culture. Dun, 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 dun. So it occurred to me, I like listen to several podcasts pretty religiously. Not I'm not like a, a 10 podcast person, but I'm like a three podcast person. And I listen to them every week. One of which I should say is a Real Housewives podcast called Bitch Sesh, which some of you I think came over from hearing us on because I like begged and pleaded for Casey and Danielle to let us on their podcast. The second one is called Las Culturistas. I don't know if I've talked about it on Eyewitness, but it is hosted by a comedian named Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang from Saturday Night Live. They're best friends. They have been for years. And it's a culture podcast. It's just like them being funny. And sometimes they'll have a guest, sometimes not. And they (laughs) have started to basically recap The Real Housewives, too, (laughs) which makes my heart sing. And I think the only way for someone like me to be able to comment on The Real Housewives would be to take copious notes when I watched it because I don't remember. It's like in one ear out the other ear. So my thought was, my question actually then to the readers was, would you guys like us to have a small Bravo segment? And he's rolling her eyes and snarfing all over the well, microphone. You just said like everybody's doing it. I are know, we just but be like followers, or are we going to deliver the top beauty stories? I just feel week? like we would have a different perspective. Well, give us a taste. What would be a different, a new take that you would introduce to the conversation? Um, great question. Like, how about Erica Girardi? Am I right? <laughs> okay. We did spend some time talking about the housewife and the hustler. But what about Erica? Actually, I was watching the new episode last night. And one thing I thought was interesting is Lisa Rinna, who's been like the biggest defender of Erica this entire season, like kind of blindly defending her, said that she thought the reason why Erica hasn't even addressed the fact that alleged money was stolen essentially from the widows and children of people who died in a plane crash redirected to Erica Jane holding company was because Erica's lawyers have basically told 
told her not to comment on it because then she becomes associated with that. So like if she completely avoids any conversation about what the actual lawsuit's about and somehow only talks about the effect of it and her relationship with Tom, she's kind of keeping herself out of even the same sentence as the charges, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I was like, at the same time, Erica's shown no remorse no compassion. Like, it's all about how she's a victim and how hard life is for her. It's not like she's just not commenting. She's doing the exact opposite. That just seems like very bad legal advice. And I understand if they're telling her, like, not to say I feel bad for the orphans because that would somehow implicate her legally, maybe. Or, like, it would at least be evidence that she was, like, aware of. I don't know. I don't know. But Lisa Rinna, who's now my legal correspondent, said that there might be, like, a legal reason why she hasn't been able to address it directly. But I don't know. I'm so over Erica. I'm so over her weird 1940s vaudeville voice. Like, put on fake voice. It's like, yeah, what, is that, what is that called? Like, the continental accent? Is it? I don't know. Because, no, I mean, she definitely is not that. But you know when you would watch old movies and you're like, why and they're like, really hello, like, like, what? you, out of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. Like that. <laughs> so, anyway, that was just a little asterisk, which was like, we're in, dare I say, the golden age of reality TV on Bravo, in which we have two alleged felons, Jen Shaw on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, who allegedly stole money from senior citizens by (laughs) convincing them to give them their credit card information. So I actually wasn't even going to watch this season of that show just because... Why? I just find the women like pretty irritating and we're not locked indoors as much anymore. So I watched it last year when we had no other choice, right, but to watch Bravo. And then now I can decide. But the opening to the season, the teaser reel for the season of her, literally the feds descending on on camera with a helicopter and like bulletproof vest coming and asking where she was and then they have the interview segment with Meredith Marks and they're like do you know who tipped off the feds and she just looks down and kind of like implies that it was her and then and I didn't so then I'm like okay let me watch I didn't realize that it's because Meredith really has it out for Jen she's fucked this woman yes and I'm like that is top tier like revenge and it's also must see tv We are in a moment within the Real Housewives universe where this is must-see TV. There are actual legal, real-life things happening on the Real Housewives. It'd be like, I mean, this is going to be really, like, maudlin, but it'd be like if... There were cameras following Taylor from The Real House of Beverly Hills when she like discovered that her husband had killed himself. We would have been like in the room. Like we're like now in the room while all this shit is going down that is like forever changing their lives. And yet I will say the Real Housewives Reddit forums are really insane because they hate Andy Cohen. They hate Why? him. They think he allows these problematic women on TV. It's like, yes, it's since day one. <laughs> That's what you guys have been watching. They're just always upset with him for casting decisions, for the way he asks questions at reunions. They think that he's like completely on Erica's side and is supporting arguably the ultimate scammer. Yeah. For those still upset about Caroline Calloway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that Andy was once very much like in the weeds of the shows and now is much less so. He doesn't have time. He like makes a nightly TV show plus does plus 10 he's always reunions. At, what's that restaurant that, on Dumois that he's always at? Via Carota. Oh, Via right? Carota. Yeah. He's always with SJP and Kelly Ripa. Like he's busy. I'm kind of bummed because I really liked Via Carota and it was already starting to get hard to get into 
And now here we are. You really, you can't get a reservation there from I actually have a really funny story related to that that I was, I thought about mentioning, but I was like, this is not that interesting, but you just really set me up for it. So this week, Gucci Osteria, or or is it Osteria? I I never knew how to pronounce that word, which is a restaurant that is on the roof of the Gucci store on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, just got a Michelin star. They were like awarded a Michelin star for their food. And so I go on their website and I make a reservation for two, like in two weeks. And then I'm like, you know what? I want to go with my godparents there too. So I like make a reservation for next weekend. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing for four people, 730. And it took me a little time to find a block that was open, but I like did it. I confirmed, get the email confirmed, send out a text message to my godparents. Like we're confirmed. Would you guys want to have dinner with us at the new Gucci store? I just got a Michelin star. Everyone's like, yes, that sounds amazing. I'd say five hours later, (laughs) I get an email being like, your reservation has been canceled. (laughs) There was a glitch in the system that allowed you, you fucking idiot. Nobody. Yeah, to make a reservation. How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) And and that, in fact, the only way to make a reservation is by calling. And guess what? When you call, it says, like, we're on the phone. There's not even, like, a... You can't wait in line on the phone. It's just like either that you catch someone or you don't. And they open up reservations 30 days like to the day, you know, so if you don't call within the first five minutes, like you can't get in. And I was like, here I was like gleefully thinking that somehow I was going to easily get the toughest table in town. And now I like both of them were canceled. Oh, Nick, I'm so sorry. I know. Well, are you just going to go hungry? I don't know. And I had to like tell my godparents that like, and they're like, what happened? And I was like, they took the reservation away from me. I'm nobody, literally. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. Should we do top stories? Yes. Johnson & Johnson finally has a win in this world. It's been a rough go. Were they the ones with the sunscreen issue? It was Neutrogena. Who owns Neutrogena? It was them. Yep. Neutrogena. All those Mm. sunscreens that got recalled for the benzene. We still consider them the little brand that could. And here they are winning trials against plaintiffs that are saying that they got ovarian cancer from Johnson & Johnson's baby powder. The talc in the baby powder. The talc in the baby powder. And court cases are scheduled to happen all over the U.S., This specific one is happening in Missouri or did happen in Missouri. Jurors deliberated for less than an hour before siding with Johnson & Johnson against these two women who were diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I guess there was a third plaintiff whose mother had died of ovarian cancer. And they, you know, were trying to draw a link between the Johnson Johnson products. It's I guess it's baby powder and a product called Shower to Shower. And jurors just agreed that there was like no evidence to link the two. So there's that. Thoughts, Nick? You're you're a father. My only thought is that I feel like we should avoid talc-based baby powder. Right. On what evidence? Well, it's just, I mean, like if there's people who, you know, it's like where there's smoke, there's fire. What's the alternative? I don't know anything corn about Cornstarch. Like, cornstarch. Got it. Yeah. It's basically just cornstarch, which like absorbs mm-hmm. moisture. And the talc-based powders, I think, were a little bit less like clumpy and lasted a little bit longer, but they also allegedly are harmful. So... I'd stay away from them, but it's interesting that there's been just one win for the plaintiffs after another with the Johnson & Johnson case up until this point. And now, is this the first time that a jury has decided that Johnson & Johnson is not responsible? No, this is actually the third. Oh, okay. So it's not as cut and dry as I thought. No, it's definitely not. I feel like you can trust nothing now. I mean, you have Tom Girardi stealing money from people, apparently like the biggest, you know, good guy lawyer in the state of California. 
No. But who can you trust, trust anymore? No one. No one. Speaking of which, you know who else you can't trust necessarily? The U.S. government? <laughs> yes. With the bank account? I put this in here. I say that we're gearing up for an economic collapse because apparently we're like about to default on a ton of loans. Did you know this? Like the, U- the, the United States is. The United States. <laughs> So I heard, so I read apparently this is... The you Re- heard it? <laughs> I heard this apparently like the Republicans trying to get back at Democrats. I don't really know the whole backstory, but I will say just as a business owner... You mean like American history? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know the entire backstory. I will say as a business owner though, have you felt like the supply chain issue? Because you yeah. guys are sourcing some packaging from not the US. Yes. And not only are we seeing supply chain issues, but now there, have you heard about the energy crisis in China? In China, yeah. So basically they're rationing energy. So if you're a factory and you have a ton of projects, you know, on the calendar to produce things, you need energy to do that. But now the Chinese government has said, no, like we are rationing that. So you can only use X amount of energy per day, per week. And so projects are getting pushed out, you know, including even stuff that we work on, which is pretty crazy. And this is on top of all the issues with Facebook's iOS, which we never talked about, or yeah. the Facebook iOS controversy, which is basically when Apple and Facebook at the beginning of summer, I think, stopped sharing data. Sharing data with the people who have the apps. So they, they basically clamped down on privacy, meaning giving consumers more privacy. But that also meant that they weren't sharing consumer data with brands. Yeah. So which made it really inefficient to market your brand on right. Facebook and Instagram, which are like, that's where you, if even if you're raising money, you use that as a stat. You say like, this is how many people we can target on this channel. And this is how we're going to spend the money. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling a bit, but everything's falling rambling apart. rambling because the world is falling <laughs> apart. And so it's like, where do you even, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, we were right? Talking, weren't we talking a couple of weeks ago about, are we going to keep going? Or are things going to So we're going to default on our loans. Right. Now I'm like, do I need to pay my credit card bills? <laughs> <laughs> like the government's not even... Oh, Do I, I need know. to pay my taxes? Who like wh- where's the okay, money going? Okay, says Annie. Diamond I do Creek pay bomb. my taxes. So that was not the trouble that I was going to mention. The trouble that I was going to mention was surrounding one Kylie Jenner, who has been getting a little bit of flat. And Annie has <laughs> you been were first- gleefully <laughs> sending this along to me. Yes, Annie's been pushing really for a Skims swimsuit diffusion line called Squims, but. I guess at family dinner, they decided to give Kylie the first shot at swimwear. She did Kylie swim. And now the reviews and the TikToks and the Instagram posts are coming in and people are doing their versions of the meme of like what you ordered and what came in the mail. And basically the beautiful, sexy swimsuits that she shows online. And then you see actually the person who got it and there's like strings falling off and it's just like really crappily made and yada, yada, yada. All of which is to say, my thoughts on Kylie Baby, which my father still believes I should consult a lawyer regarding, stand, allegedly. (laughs) I'm wondering how many of her followers have kids. What's the market size there for Kylie Baby? I don't know. Kylie Cosmetics made perfect sense because her followers loved her. They loved her, you know, new lips. She launched this lip kit. It was like a slam dunk. But I get that she has a baby. So it's like personally relevant to her to have a baby line. But does her audience like are these young mothers? Are we going to see a baby boom because the Jenner Kardashians have been like having so many kids lately? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I'm just reading through like what the complaints of the swimmer have been. And one TikToker shows how like basically the bathing suits are see through. 
You remember Sky Mall magazine? Yeah. There used to be swimsuits for sale in Sky Mall that were like marketed as the no tan line swimsuits. Like you wouldn't get a tan line. You like read the details why. It's a sheer swimsuit. It's basically like wearing pantyhose. (laughs) You can see right through it. (laughs) I think squims will still happen. Mark my words. Like I think that they're giving Kylie a chance and now it's been kind of a nightmare. And I think also Skims is the brand that even consumers believe in. People love Skims. So why wouldn't you just create swimwear from Skims? That's what I've been saying this entire time. Instead, we got socks. They did socks this week. Yeah. Like grandma socks. They did like nylon stocking socks. I don't ever want to think about buying those. And even Kim can't make those sexy. You know what I mean? Like the socks that you have to wear under a tight boot. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I hate those. They're so like, I hate owning those. It makes me feel like an old lady. Is that weird? Yeah, I'm not into them either. Okay. This was a story that I sent to you because I thought we both might find it interesting. Finally, a mail away DNA test kit that is fucking worth something other than telling me that I have blue eyes and a proclivity for or propensity for sweating, which like neither one of those is true, which is all I get from 23andMe. There's a new DNA test kit in the works that will help people find the best drugs for them. It is a home saliva testing kit, $199 from Endocana Health. It looks for 57 genetic traits that could influence a customer's response to marijuana so they can best select the strain and correct dose for them. And they're also working on tests for other psychotropic drugs. This is according to Bloomberg Businessweek. I say bring it on. I have had a love-hate relationship with weed for as long as I remember I've like always had a lot of anxiety in general. And whenever I go into a weed store, they're like, oh, try this Indica. That's good for anxiety. But actually, I realized that Indica is terrible for anxiety for me. And actually, I should be on sativas. So I am all for a testing kit that will help me navigate MedMen. <laughs> Let's just say the bud tenders at MedMen aren't doing it for me. I know we talked about this when we were doing our Instagram live two nights ago. Today is Thursday, September 30th, by the way. I was thinking maybe we should say the date to give people contacts on these shows. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we're supposed to be like news. So Mac and Whitney Houston are doing a makeup collab. You probably have different opinions on this than I do. Post-mortem palette collabs. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like it's a morbid collector's item. They did Selena last year, right? But Selena, at least like there was time for like, I feel like with Whitney Houston, like the body's still warm. Nick. (laughs) Jesus. I feel like Selena is almost a throwback look because it was so part of the 90s. But Whitney Houston, it's still fresh in my mind. So I found it a little hard to swallow. What about Prince? Remember, they didn't they just do a Prince one, too? Who was doing that? That was Urban Decay. Urban Decay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's weird, too. I wonder how well we should. I wonder who could we talk to to find out how well these postmortem. Well, I know the Selena one did well because they ended up bringing it back. But that one makes, again, that makes sense because she was such a like cult. She was known for her beauty look. Yeah. And her beauty and like also just a cult figure. And like Prince was a pop star. Also, Prince wasn't murdered by like a fan. Like there wasn't also the mythology of like. I think that helped the sales of the lipstick. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm not going to say it didn't. I'm not going to say it didn't help. No, he was just murdered by his doctor. Exactly. Allegedly. Can we talk about Fendace? What's Fendace? Fenda- oh, I was like, what's Fendace? <laughs> I was having a real problem with. Explain to the readers what Fendace is. Okay, so it's not. This is not a beauty story. It's just more of a. 
I guess this is where we're fragmenting arts and culture throughout the episode. Fendachi was a very random <laughs> collaboration between Versace and Fendi, the House of Versace and the House of Fendi. They did a runway show. Kim Jones and Donatella did the bow at the end. They had everyone walking it. This was shortly after the Versace show. I actually couldn't tell the difference between the two. I thought it was all just like from the same collection. And it's basically just co-branded logo mania. I think the only audience for this are Italians. Yeah, I mean, I a lot of the stuff I was seeing online was talking about how it just basically felt like a Versace show. Like there wasn't a there there to the synergy of the two brands. I think they were kind of following on the heels of, was it Balenciaga and who was the Balenciaga collaboration? I don't know, but it, it's giving me like shades of Supreme Louis Vuitton, but that kind of, that worked because Supreme will put their name on anything. Oh, it was Gucci. Gucci did a collaboration with Balenciaga. When? In April of this year. Yeah, see, they don't really make that big of an impact. Yeah. I guess I'm not a huge fan of Balenciaga or Gucci. I did stupidly buy some platform loafers that I can't wear because they make a weird noise when I walk. So those are sitting in my closet. You know, it's almost the biggest expression of a co-branded giveaway, like how we would do on social media between two beauty brands or something where you're like, okay, maybe if we create a collaboration between our two brands, we'll be able to convert some Fendi customers into Versace customers and some Versace customers into Fendi customers and it'll all be good for business. I think all their customers already like cross-pollinate. I think it's more just let's give them what they want. They want to wear all these like logos together and be over the top. So let's just put it all in one outfit. Now you can get one chainmail dress that's both designers. I'm fascinated by Italians. It's like they're devastatingly chic, but like so disgusting at the same time. Says Annie Diamond Creek Bomb. No, and I don't mean like they all are that. I'm saying within one culture. Well, it's like in fashion, there's like this... Uh, overwhelming tack like everything's tacky <laughs> like, except and then on the other side like the men are some of the chicest men I know, and even though and the women some of the chicest women yeah so there is maybe it's just more like there are these extremes but also there's such a stylist culture i kind of appreciate tacky style i, do, I totally I mean, not do kind too. of i do appreciate tacky style and Anna as much Russo. as i appreciate Giovanna, Love. what's her name? Giovanna Batataga. Giovanna, her now, now like Humperdinck or Engelbert? Engelbert. <laughs> or Engelberg. Yeah, I love um, it. Margarita yeah, Missoni. They all do it well. But then this Fendachi show, I just felt like was the ultimate, like, this is not good tackiness. And it wasn't even like that over the top. And then you get like Blonde Salad, who's just like totally embraces kind of this cartoonish, silly kind of fashion. It's much more commercial. Anyway, Italian fashion is like very fascinating to me. I actually think the better collaboration that felt more genuine was when one of the Prada factories burned down or something last year. For their accessories. And then like the Valentino factory was like, come over and you can use our factory. I was like, that's, that's so that's nice. nice. I love that. I you know. guys are great. The final piece of news, which we'll leave you on with on, is that everyone's favorite hair care brand, Olaplex, IPO'd this week. And it went for $21 a share. They sold 73.7 million shares. And... This means that Olaplex has a market value of upwards of $13.6 billion. Guys, this is insane. Everybody that gets highlights fucking must have bought these stocks because that's such a wild valuation. 
For a single uh, brand. An investor in one of my businesses, he has a blog and he was writing about Olaplex and he was saying that they have all these patents and that although there are some detractors of whether the technology or the science actually does what it says it's going to do to the hair, like repairing the hair follicle, they just have such overwhelming positive reviews across all of social media. Plus, they've made money. You know, most startups lose money and are not actually in the black, they're in the red. I just checked actually the live like on NASDAQ and the shares are worth 25.55 oh, now wow. as of September 30th at 12.29 p.m. Oh, still going up 25.67. Damn. Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And today, September 30th, Warby Parker rang the bell at the stock exchange. They're going public. We'll see what that nets out for Warby Parker. If we have any employees of either brand that own stocks, can you like let us know what life is like right now? I know you can't like sell them immediately. I think there's probably like a six month waiting period, but just curious. I think Nick and I are both just curious. (laughs) Yeah. What is it like? How does it feel? What is it like? (laughs) I feel like that's all we have for top stories and I think we should do products of the week. Let's go. My product of the week, it has a story. And it's a feel-good story. My husband and I just celebrated our two-year wedding anniversary. And you know how for every wedding anniversary, there's like a special material you're supposed to incorporate into the gift? Mm -hmm. So the first year was paper. And the second year, traditionally it was cotton, but modern society has deemed China an appropriate second-year gift. And I had forgotten that I had commissioned a set of dessert plates from a person on Instagram. Her Instagram is shop underscore K underscore A underscore. So shop K A. If you search for that, you'll probably find it. She it's actually two twin sisters in L.A. who one paints the ceramics and one makes the ceramics. And I got a set of eight dessert plates and I, my idea was I wanted little mini fruits, a different fruit on each plate with the name of the fruit. And they were finished and ready the morning of our anniversary. So I actually was able to give Casey these plates, which are China, you know, whatever, let's not worry about the details, porcelain for our anniversary. And if you see like how cute they are, I'm eating toast on a fig plate. Oh, nice. And they're so cute and they're not super expensive. And I'm, you know, I know I've talked a lot about this on the podcast, but I'm just really into when I can and when I remember to shopping small and handmade things that people put energy into. And you'd be surprised on Instagram, you can find plates for less money, you know, handmade plates for less money than you would pay for them at like Crate and Barrel. And isn't it just so much more fun to like support the economy with shopping small than big. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it is. The dessert plates, I had like the ultra custom ones that basically we designed together and they were about $65 a plate, but they have like their normal creations that they make. And then you can also customize stuff with them, but it's shop KA and I'm obsessed. I love them. And now I'll always remember our second wedding anniversary. Oh, I love that. Now you need to return to baking. You have all these dessert plates. What do you have? My product of the week, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know, I think that there's really a gap in the market for great cotton underwear. And you may also know that my favorite are from Amazon, but we actually sold them out. So thanks a lot, you guys. (laughs) Now I can't get the underwear that I recommended to you, but I found an alternative. Yes, it's more expensive, but it's worth it because it's made 
not in a sweatshop and we're not giving more money to Jeff Bezos. So we're just going to suck it up and pay what it costs. It's not crazy expensive. I think it's around the same price as like a hanky panky. And I know all of you listening are wearing those. And the brand is called Cuckoo Intimates. Is that how you say it? C-O-U-C-O-U? Cuckoo, yeah. Cuckoo Intimates. It's 100% organic cotton. They're made in the UK. It's a brand based in the UK. So you're gonna have to pay in pounds. That's okay. You don't have to do the exchange rate. The website will do it for you. And I like both the thong and the brief. They're high-waisted. They're like cut in that perfect like 90s, you know, probably the underwear that Julia Roberts always wore if you like think about what she would have worn. And they make your legs look really long. They're super soft. They're very cute. 22 pounds each, but then they have like a multi-pack that you can get. Let's see how much those are. 65 pounds for the multi-pack of the thong. They're sold out of a lot of things, so that's good for them. Highly recommend. I just bought more. I think that's it. We're back next week with a really good interview. And we will also be going live on our Patreon this week. We're sending out our first email newsletter in the next few days to our Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash eyewitnessbeauty. Please support us. We're at 59 patrons. We need to get to 100. That's our next goal. We can only do it with you. Patreon.com slash eyewitnessbeauty. And we did take some advice from those who tuned in to our live the other night. And so we're going to have an episode very soon of an industry insider focused on product development. And we also promise that if you are a Patreon subscriber, specifically in the $10 and $50 tiers, you will move to the front of the line. So if you have a question for any of our Q&A episodes, which part of this interview will be that, your question will be guaranteed to be answered. So think if you have any questions for someone who is a product development expert, has been in this industry for almost a decade, organic chemistry degree from Princeton, then you need to subscribe to the Patreon so you can definitely get your question asked. There we go. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamine Molly, an Italian of Seaplane Armada. Who had no uh, issue with the conversation with earlier. the comments that we made. She was egging us on. <laughs> our theme music is by Danny Prezant and our cover art is by Simon Abronowitz. Did I tell you I met Danny last week in person? Finally. How was it? It was so good. He's like Just, such a LA cool guy, but in cool. like a good way, like a lovable one. Does he know that we shout him out every single episode? I don't know. We'll see. Danny, if you're listening, if you actually support the show, then let me know if you heard this. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. We'll see. Anyway, you can subscribe to our Patreon and support the show. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for those that take the time to do that. Tell why you like the show and why other people might like it. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty and you can email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.